Welcome everybody to the Moose Room, OG3 here, and we are joined by our fourth and final guest in our mental health series in honor of May, Mental Health Awareness Month. This is a guest that I've been really excited to have on. He is a, a podcast expert, so he's probably going to show us all up today. We're joined by Jason Meadows with Egg State of Mind. Hey Jason, thanks for joining us. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here and chat with you guys for a while. Yeah, we are really glad that you agreed to be on and, you know, we're so excited to dive into it. But before we do that, we do have the two super secret questions that we ask all of our guests. So I will let Joe take that away. All right. Super secret question time. We're going to start on the dairy side for sure. We need to know, we ask every guest, what is your favorite dairy breed? Ooh, well... The one that will integrate the easiest into a beef operation. So I'm going to say probably a brown Swiss. Brown oh, Swiss. Oh, okay. I like that. Yeah. Surprisingly, quite a few votes for brown Swiss. So recapping the totals, Holsteins are at 11. Jerseys are at eight. Jerseys are the correct answer, if you were wondering. Brown Swiss <laughs> at five. Montpellier at three. Dutch Belted at two. Normandy at two. And with that, you probably guessed the second question. Uh, we need to know your favorite beef breed. Gosh, how much time do we have here? Um, <laughs> they all offer something. So I grew up a Charlet guy. My dad, we've, we've always been a commercial herd. Um, but when I was a kid, my dad always had Charlet bull, Charlet cross cows. Um, that was before black was the color right or just at the beginning whenever i was a whenever i was a kid and black you know got more popular for a for a mama cow i'm gonna say uh, somewhere with that angus herford cross is my favorite cow so black baldy would be your favorite cow black baldy yeah black baldy is my I, favorite cow for sure i, okay, I, I think answer. it was a herford i think he said herford no that's not what he said you have to be happy with half Half is good. All right. Good deal. Vote for Black Baldy. That puts our total. Angus at eight. Herford at six. Black Baldy at three. Belted Galloway at two. Brahmin, Stabilizer, Galvi, Scottish Highlander, Kianina, Charlay, Simmental, Nolore, Jersey, and Normandy all at one. I'm going to, I'll give a shout out to Stabilizer though. That's a, that's my bull of choice. There you so. go. There you go. That would be, uh, who was on? Who voted for Stabilizer? Was that Amy? Yeah, Amy. So. Amy. Okay, that's what I thought. There you go. Well, shout out to Amy and the stabilizers. I will take back Baldy for sure over the stabilizer, though. <laughs> Good deal. All right. Now that we got that out of the way, we can get into the meat and potatoes of it. You know, Jason, there are a lot of things that we want to cover, and all of these episodes in the series have been kind of long. So we'll try to just keep plugging through all the questions here. First, I mentioned at the very beginning that you have a podcast of your own, um, Egg State of Mind. So why don't you give us just, you know, the quick one minute rundown of, of what Egg State of Mind is, what you talk about on that podcast. Wow. One minute. That's tough for me. And that's like the, or even two, that's one of the more challenging <laughs> questions I probably ever have. And anybody who knows me knows that I can't talk for two minutes on only two minutes on anything, but I'll do my best. Um, so 
my podcast is kind of a uh, amalgam of my professional life as a pharmacist, as a medical professional, and my my life as an agriculture producer, my passion for agriculture, and trying to bring the bring a healthy lifestyle to the human element of agriculture. I, you know, so much of agriculture is focused on the production side, on the crops, on the cattle, on the machinery. I don't know if we do enough on the actual human side of it. And the human side to me is the most important part because you don't have any of that other stuff if it isn't for the human human side of it. Um, it started out about mental health because that's where my journey uh, kind of, and we'll, I think we'll talk about this later, uh, that's where my, my journey, my, my, my history with this, a lot of stress involved with agriculture, and myself getting better with that and wanting to bring that to other people in the same shoes as I. Um, but it's been, it's blossomed out to more just general wellness and, and, and healthy healthiness with, with the human side. I love your show. I've been listening uh, quite a bit over the last couple of months. Awesome. And, uh, Thank you. So first of all, I really appreciate your show. And I, I hope you know that people like it and that I hope you keep doing it for a long time. One of the things that really surprises me is how open you are with your personal life. And I think that that's probably why one of the reasons I like the show the most. Uh, well, first of all, I want to say thank you for being so open. I think it makes it so relatable that you share your own struggles and and, uh, you know, just everything that's going on in your life. How comfortable or how difficult was that to kind of get out right away and, and share about your personal life? And have you caught any flack from people in your life about it? Mm, wow. It was really hard at first. You know, that's not something you're supposed to do, right? Supp supposed to in, in quotes. So, and I didn't think you were supposed to do it. And it was so hard on me to do it. Um, as far as flack, I'm going to, uh, again, in, in line with how I present myself and kind of my brand of being very honest and open. I had someone who's very close to me. Um, I'm not going to call anyone out by name, um, but someone who's very close to me kind of give me hell over it. Called me one night and was talking about, and this was before the podcast even, I mean, I had the idea of the podcast, but not the, um, I don't think that I'm trying to think back here what, at what point this was, but I had the idea of the podcast and I had, I was going to start the podcast, but I don't think I'd actually released any episode, but I was on a lo on local radio talking about some stuff. I was doing it with the hospital, uh, with my employer and just talking about mental health stuff and mental health in rural America, mental health and agriculture. And this person called me up and just really made me feel really small about it and you know that i didn't know what i was talking about and you know almost clipped my wings before it got started and that was really tough that was a really tough pill for me to swallow and really uh, worried me if i wasn't doing the right thing or not um but thankfully that's really the only pushback of any significance i've i've experienced and i'm, I'm grateful that it was at the very beginning too because it like gave me a little bit more uh, a, a, an idea of what it was going to be like, but also a little bit of resolve right out of the gate too. And, um, but since then I've had nothing but support. 
you know, we are so grateful that you did not listen to that person or take their words to heart. Yeah, it can be challenging. And a lot of it, you know, ties back just to people's own discomfort with it. And and if they're not ready to share, if they're not ready to share, they're also not ready to listen, which, you know, we all go at our own pace with this. But I think it's so great that you have chosen to, to continue with this and share this and share so many other people's stories as well, which I think is a really crucial part of egg state of mind and, and what makes it such a great podcast. And I also think that your own story with it is really unique. You know, you already kind of mentioned this and Jason, we were discussing it before uh, we got on air here, but you know, you have this unique perspective as somebody who has a job off the farm as a pharmacist. And also, you know, being a farmer, you know, cattle producer, all of that. I know you have, you know, a horde of kids running around your wife. So, (laughs) so you have a lot of things going on. And so I just want you to maybe talk a little bit about that duality of being a farmer, but having an off farm job and people may be thinking that you wouldn't be that stressed because, you know, you probably are financially a little more secure. You might have insurance, you know, you get to take a break from the farm. And, and I don't think that that's probably the case that it's easier or, you know, less difficult that or the other thing. Yeah. And, you know, and there are some, I do have some, I mean, again, I'm very grateful for what I have and for the life I have and, Um, You know, I don't want it to seem like that. And I am probably more secure having an off farm job. And I, I have insurance, like you say, and you know, those sort of things. And those things are great, Uh, but it doesn't like stop like the everyday stresses that goes on. So let's say, so I work about 25 miles from my home and most of my cows are at home. Some of them are at a farm about seven miles north of here. So another, however far that is away from work. I get a call probably once, twice, three times a year. There's cows out while I'm in down the road at work. And, you know, so, I mean, that's just a small example of what it's like. I can't, my job doesn't allow me to just leave. Right. I mean, if I have to be there, I have to be there from starting time to finish time. And I'm very grateful. I have a really good starting time and a good finish time, seven to three 30, which is great hours. Right. I mean, that's not lost on me, but at the same time, I just can't take my, my, my schedule has to be so tight and so well planned out or else I just can't do it. And, you know, whenever you throw a wrench into that, it is incredibly stressful. And then as far as like catching markets, right. And I remember my dad, he's like, well, we just, uh, whenever sales here were on Tuesdays now, we'll just catch the market when it's right. It doesn't really work for me because I can't just go load a set of cows on a Tuesday morning because I've got work to do. I have to plan weeks and weeks and ahead of time, make sure nothing's happening on the weekends when, you know, like I said, I have four kids who are playing baseball, FFA, 4-H, uh, you know, whatever else is through the year. And it's just, it's incredibly difficult to, to manage all of that. So yeah, there's a, there's a very unique set of stressors when you have more irons in the fire than, you know, somebody who may do it full time. 
And I don't want to take anything away from anybody who does it full time, obviously. I mean, that has, again, its own set of challenges. But I just want to say that there are there are the same stresses, but there are also different stresses, stresses by doing it part time or not part time, but not all the time. Having something else, I should say. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I've maybe said it on this podcast before, you know, but I remind people like there's no trophy for the person who suffers the most. And we all like to, you know, we like to vent and, and, you know, we want to be the most stressed. We want to have the least amount of sleep. We want to work the most hours in a week. And I, I personally don't think that's necessary. And I also remind people that you know, the way we experience stress is really different and we all have different thresholds for it and we all have different levels of resiliency. And so, you know, what may be the most stressful day in the world to me, maybe a walk in the park for you, Jason. Right. And so, you know, we can't, we can't compare apples to oranges here and we kind of respect that everybody's situation is, is unique to them. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you, you hit it right on the head there and saying that everybody's everybody's stresses are they're unique to them and themselves. I mean, no one no one person experiences those stresses the same as someone else. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I mean, empathy is is key, um, but it's it's not always uh, not always everyone understands. Yeah, I, I I like the way you talk about the that everyday stress, because I think the one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is when we talk about stress, anxiety, depression, what I've been kind of relating it to in, in my medical brain is pain. And that that everyday chronic stress or everyday chronic pain that is always nagging at you. I mean, that that's something that adds up and that that small stuff adds up all the time and that can be just as bad or, or worse than a, a single time event that causes a, a large amount of pain for a shorter period. So I, I think that that that's something that I've been thinking a lot about. And I, I think it, it does ring true, especially for someone who just on the back of their mind, they're at their day job and they're wondering, are the cows out? Did I remember to do everything Did I check the waters? Is everything frozen up? You know, that, that kind of stuff can add up really quickly. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's like death by a thousand cuts, right? I mean, you got so much going on and you know, take this last cold snap, which us down south are not used to what we had the, you know, in February where I was having to cut ice uh, three times a day for however long it was, two weeks or something. I mean, you guys probably laugh at me about that, but I mean, it's not normal for, for us. It's It was super stressful and, you know. Um, getting up at four in the morning, staying out till seven, eight at night doing it. And thankfully I don't calve during the winter. So, I mean, that would have been another whole set of stresses to that. So, you know, just trying to mitigate the stress as much as possible. Like I said, I, I, for that, for all these reasons here, for all the things that go on, if I can take a little stress away, like I do with not calving in the winter, totally pushing this, this calving back till, till, April or May, like I'm doing now, you know, it seems like a small thing, but it's a, I mean, it's a huge stress relief to not have to worry about warming up calves when it's potentially going to be below zero temps for however long it was. And so, I mean, you know, there's, there's ways around it, but it doesn't mean that it's not stressful in, in the time. I see Bradley giving the all knowing nod. He, he outwinters his cows on the dairy and Morris. So I, I agree. And there's, you talk about certain stressors at times of years. Yes. 
winter can be pretty stressful and even the spring and it's yeah how, how to manage all that and uh, it can be overwhelming sometimes yeah absolutely it can and um you know, not to talk so much about my operation, but uh, another thing I've done is a huge part of like, we talk about bull selection and how that can, you know, just these little things can, can help reduce some stress. I have very, I, I slept for a lot of calving ease bulls because I'm not here to pull calves. I'm here, I maybe see my, if I'm lucky, I see my cows at, 30 minutes a day. You know what I mean? If I catch something in that 30 minutes to an hour window, that's, you know, a blessing. So, I mean, I can't be worrying about having, if, oh, if I'm going to have to pull K, I've got 20, I've got 30 heifers out here and had not knock on wood, right? Not had to assist one of them yet because of our intentionality behind uh, calving these bulls. And, you know, we lose a little bit at, at weaning time. We don't wean as heavy, but we don't have all those dead calves either. So, I mean, it's a, it's a trade-off I'm willing to make. Sorry, I hope that wasn't too specific for you guys, but you know, that's just a, that's just a thought that came to my mind there. That was perfect. You know, something we talk a lot about on this show, because we talk a lot about production topics and it's management. And I really like the way you're meshing together management as a way to mitigate stress for the farmer. And I sure. think that you you have definitely put thought into, you know, the decisions you're going to make and not just, you know, what's best for the cows, which, of course, is important, but also what's best for you and for your lifestyle. And, and you know, given the fact that you are, you know, working and, yeah, only seeing your cows, you know, 30 minutes a day, um, I think that that is really important uh, that, you know, these these decisions you make now are going to help your your operation but they're also helping you along the way too right it's dave dave pratt always says it like and you said it too emily there's no prize for working the hardest or being the most stressed i mean so many people wear that as a badge of honor and it's just it's just not so i mean we should strive to have the easiest life possible you know what i mean and and make decisions you know, making a breeding decision for your cow herd is a decision you make year, you know, a year or so ahead of time. You know, being able to to make those small little thoughts, being a little bit intentional goes a long way in the future. I don't think we can avoid talking about it because we only got a few more minutes left. Uh, and we have a pharmacist here uh, and a medical professional. So we got it. Got to get into that talk. And one of your uh, one of your episodes, you're talking about medication One of your solo episodes. Mm -hmm. And I thought I found it really interesting, your thoughts and the bias you had against medication when you were younger yeah. and when you were in pharmacy school and how you kind of worked through all those all those internal biases that you had against it. Can you kind of just talk us through that that whole process and what eventually got you over that bias and what got you over the hump of saying this, this is something we need to need to use? Yeah. So, I mean, I did. I had a. And I don't know if it was just a, a just a, a, a antiquated way of thinking. I, I honestly don't know what it was about about taking medications for uh, you know for anxiety, for depression, any sort of mental health medication. I honestly don't know, but I had such. You're right. I had such a bias about it, and I had just 
not the greatest uh, opinion of those. And I remember even mental health in college was something that I really kind of glazed over. Uh, my sister-in-law told me once, she's like, well, it's honestly more an art than a science. And while I think some of that might be true, um, there is some definite science behind it. Um, so, and I think it was with my own struggles when I started because I was really resistant to taking medication to deal with uh, to deal with anxiety, and I I'm 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 close with my provider, and it was honestly, and it was like so many of the decisions that are made in my life, it was my wife who helped kind of guide me towards that, and she said, you know, if you had high blood pressure, you would obviously take your blood pressure medication, you know that that works. I mean, as a pharmacist, obviously I know that works. Um, whatever it else may be, you know, if there's something wrong, you have something that can help fix it. Do that. Like, I mean, it's, it's as simple as that, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be any more complex, any more complicated than that. And I think for, I mean, I was so stubborn about it. Uh, and I, I saw it in such a just I guess negative light as far as I thought something was weak or broken in me if I had to take these medications. But I think when I I, I did, I started taking them. Uh, I think it was like 2013. It was right after our youngest was born, I believe is when I started medication around that time. She might've been pregnant with them. I don't remember, it doesn't matter. Around that time, I remember just feeling normal, right? Like normal, nothing, you know, I didn't feel, like anything was happening. I didn't feel like it was changing me. I just felt normal. And that's when I realized like, that's how they're supposed to work. You know, that's how, that's how medications work. I mean, and I, it's crazy that I have to keep like telling myself that because I am trained in that profession. Right. But it was, I mean, it was just like a, the wool had been pulled from my eyes. And I think I have a really valuable uh, testimony to that in, in serving patients in that I have my own experience with medications and you, and you have no, I mean, I'm sure you probably do, but the people who come see me who want to talk about, it and they don't want to be on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications. And, you know, they just are able to come talk to me and I have my own personal background and personal story man, that's really valuable. And I, I, I want to give credit to Emily too. Uh, she made a Facebook post. What was it last year sometime right after we did the, yep. about this time last year. And it was, uh, it was, that really helped me because I was, I wasn't, I mean, even though I was open with it with people close to me, I wasn't open about it to the masses like I was. I wasn't sharing as much about it on my podcast and on social media. But now after you made that, that like really helped me break the dam of that and just add that to my advocacy efforts. Whew, I'm blushing a little bit over here. <laughs> yeah, she is. And if one out there can't see her, she actually is blushing. A little, little sweaty. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I really appreciate that, Jason. And, you know, that's part of the reason I think why everybody who is an advocate is so adamant about sharing their story because they know it can encourage other people it to share help. their story. Yep. Something I know I wrote in that post and that I still say and that I kind of want your comments on too is a large fear about going on medication and it's a fear I had is I don't want to be a zombie. Like we're very oh, afraid yeah. of, of just turning into something that's on autopilot. We don't really have any feelings. We just go through the motions. And so I remember saying that to my provider, like, I'm just afraid that I'm not going to feel like myself. And she looked me in the eyes and she goes, well, Emily, 
do you feel like yourself right now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, yeah. you got me. <laughs> so, yeah. and, and yeah, and I, I have been on medication ever since it's been, oh, I don't know about two years or so. And, and yeah, like I am myself, I wasn't myself for so long. And so I'm just curious to, you know, what you think on that or, or is that, you know, is that a common concern people have? Yeah, absolutely. It was one I had too. And it goes back to saying like, I just feel normal. And, you know, I know most people are just listening here and, you know, say you have this steady baseline and it's a flat line and, you know, that's how your feelings are supposed to be. You know, you're supposed to be just kind of even keel, but you get these, like, when you don't have, when you're not at that even keel, you get these spikes, right? And these spikes and they go up and they go down. And it's just a, it's a, it's literally riding a roller coaster. And that's how I felt. I was up, I was down. Um, I never felt any sort of normal when I wasn't, when I wasn't taking the medication. But once I got that medication, I mean, there's still, don't get me wrong. I still have those times where I, where it ebbs and flows, but the reaction is so much less pronounced. Like I can get back to even keel so much faster now that I have that medication uh, in my toolbox. And I'm, I, I can't speak enough about how important that that is. Well, I, I, I love hearing everyone's story and I love hearing everyone being open about it. Something I learned in practice as a veterinarian right away is I can talk till I'm blue in the face about trying to make a recommendation and that farmer's still going to turn to his neighbor or call his friends and he's going to listen to his farmer yeah. friends before he listens to me in, in a lot of cases. And that's fine. I think that's one of the best parts about everyone sharing their story is that farmers listen to farmers and if everyone can share their story. And I think that's why Jason works with his podcast for sure is because he does have his own farm and uh, people are going to listen. Uh, it just it just makes a difference if you've been there, like you said, on the medication side as well. This is kind of an easy gimme question, and I'm sure you get asked this a lot, Jason. But from this whole episode, when you think of what you've talked about on egg state of mind, what's the one message that you want farmers out there listening to this podcast right now to get? If they remember nothing else from what we talked about today, what's what's the one thing you'd want to tell them? that everybody's story matters and there's going to be, there's someone out there that no matter how you're suffering, no matter how bad you think you have, no matter how alone you feel like you, you have it, there's going to be maybe not someone who's experiencing exactly the same, but there are definitely people who can relate. And, you know, by sharing your story, by getting out there, telling folks about what's going on, being more open about whatever issues you may be having, uh, you're going to find a lot of solidarity out there and there's going to be people who support you and lift you up and you know like we were talking about at the very beginning you know there there may be some people give you flack but there's going to be way more people who are going to be supportive of you and so if that can help people get outside of themselves try to get outside of that of that comfort zone and share a little bit Man, that's that's super helpful. And if I can do it, if I can do these things that I'm doing, anybody can do it. I promise you. <laughs> well, I think that that is a perfect place to wrap up this episode. Uh, you know, thank you again, Jason, for joining us for rounding out our mental health series. If you want to find Jason, he is on Twitter at Egg State of Mind One. You can also find him on Instagram and Facebook at Egg State of Mind. You can find his podcast on his website, eggstateofmind.com. We'll leave the plugs there for right now. 
I am going to give a quick round of thank yous. First of all, to both Bradley and Joe for humoring me when I came up with this idea to do a mental health series for May. Uh, And I want to thank all of our extraordinary guests that we have had this month. Megan King, Meg Moynihan, Kevin Dietzel, and of course, Jason Meadows as well. Uh, We hope that you have found these conversations to be helpful, to be educational, to be interesting. Uh, you know, and we really encourage you to to reach out to us if you have questions, comments, or of course, skating rebuttals. And you can do that by emailing us at themoosroom at umn.edu. That's T-H-E-M-O-O-S-R-O-O-M at umn.edu. Thank you again, everybody. Create a great day. Be well. And be sure to check out all of Jason's egg state of mind information online. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.